put all these podiums together, but they've always put them in the right spots for guys my size. Perfect way to just kind of flow with things. I couldn't help but think when I was, we were talking about doing a special service here for you all that uh, one verse of Scripture or a couple of verses of Scripture kind of loomed out in my mind. and um, So I want to share that with you today. Probably in a diff- different way. Uh, I don't know if you're like I am, but sometimes you read Scriptures and sometimes you read them. And then when you reread them, it's just like somebody reaches out and just turns a, a light on it and it becomes illuminated for you. And that's what this verse, this verse is also a common verse with a Another one in the New Testament. Let's look at the Old Testament just for a minute. As we give you a little brief introduction into this. Isaiah chapter 7 is where we're going to find part of the text today. And then we're going to move to the uh, New Testament for some other things. So keep your Bibles handy. And uh, we'll be looking at some other verses together. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Everybody got it? Say yes, no, amen, whatever. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call His name Emmanuel. Now, look on over to Mark or Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And look at verse 23. Behold, the virgin, speaking of Mary, shall be with child, and shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, the latter part of that, which is translated means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us in person is the first thing. He's with us. He walked among us. That's why the Bible says and clearly says He is has been tempted in all points as you have and yet without sin. He knows what you feel when you feel sorrow. He knows what you feel when you feel de- depression or being down or being in a, in a perplexed type of situation because He was here. God was here walking among us. So much of the time we, we kind of fly by the Christmas story. Do we not? And read it quickly, get it out of the way, instead of letting it absorb. Our, as I believe it was a couple of weeks ago, Jeff, you were talking about the word Selah. We pause and ponder and let it absorb, let it become literal in the side of your heart and life to the point of application. So God is with us in person. God is with us in presence. Right now, He's with you. And He'll walk when you walk out of here today. If you're a believer, He walks with you outside of here to wherever you go. And I think we need to become consciously aware of the fact His divine presence, Him in spirit, is in you. So I understand person, understand presence, and also understand promise. A promise had been given. Shows you more of the continental flow 
of the Word of God. A country no promise had been given back in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And now we see a fulfillment of it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 23. Because he refers back to the prophet of old who had been given this very important message for us to not only celebrate, but to share with everyone. So he's with you in promise as well. Whatever he says, by the way, whatever he says in his word, there's hundreds of promises in there. In fact, I'd heard one time that if there's enough promises in there, you could have at least one or two a day. Kind of like taking vitamins. You can have a promise. And I would encourage you to take the promises of God and not only read them, but avail yourself to apply them in your life. One of the promises He gives us is, remember that promise He said to the early disciples when He said, I will never leave you nor... Is that a promise you can hold on to? Absolutely. It is a promise that God's given to you. So look at, first of all, God... With us. Then I want you to see the secondary thing, and that's this. God among us. Go on over to the Gospels in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, and you'll find another very important promise. I told you you were going to get some Bible study this morning, didn't I? Y'all wait. Do I have to speak to the lights and say amen? Okay. John chapter 1, verse 14. Actually, 1 through 18 is where we're going to go. Notice what he says. The Gospel of John says, In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that was come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. Isn't that true today? And the darkness did not comprehend or understand or make available that person in their personal life. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was there for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light there was that true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, listen to that scripture, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave them the right or the privilege or the opportunity to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Look at that. And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me was higher in rank than I, for He existed before me." For of His fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten of the Father, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained Him. So not only God with you, but God among you in human flesh. 
Let me ask you something. Is it difficult for you to wrap your mind around the fact that Jesus was all God and that he's all, he was all man? Sure. Absolutely. Because our minds, our little small minds, are trying to grasp something of a creator God who owns this whole universe and created this whole universe. And, and not only created it, but right now, if it weren't for him, if it weren't for Jesus, you'd be flying around the room. Because the Bible says he holds it all together as well. I mean, we can classify that and try to explain it away, but when it comes down to it, guys, it's all about Jesus. He's the one that has it and takes care of it all the way. So God is among us. Again, in person, see, as clearly as He was walking here on the earth, today He walks among us, and He does and still, as the Bible says, you like that Scripture passage over in the book of Hebrews that says, Jesus Christ the same and when? You mean today? He's a today word as well? You mean Jesus could do what today He did back about 2,000 plus years ago? That's the Jesus I serve. I don't like the one you serve, but that's the one I serve. He's still able to do it. The only deal was, it's like what the Bible says, when He went into Capernaum, the Bible says about when He went to Capernaum, that He left that place, and the Bible says it clearly like this. He could do not many mighty works among them because of their unbelief, their lack of faith. You see, God is still the same. God is with us. Encourage yourself with that. God is among us in person, presence, and promise. God is in us. Is the third point. First Corinthians chapter six. Go look at it just for a second with us. Will you? First Corinthians chapter six. Read what the Apostle Paul has told us here in the Word of God. First Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. I don't want you to raise your hands, but I, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you experienced Black Friday? That's all I'm saying. Say a lot. Think on these things. First Corinthians chapter 6. 19 and 20. Listen to what he says. Paul is saying to us, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? How many times have you heard somebody say, I, What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do my thing. Do you know as a believer you don't have that privilege to do that? Because you're not your own anymore. You've been bought with a precious promise and precious price of the blood of Jesus Christ. You're not your own. When you, when you said yes to Jesus, you gave up all the rights for you to do your own thing. Now, there are still a lot of people, granted, in the Christian community who still say, yes, I know I'm saved, but guess who's not Lord and who's not controller of their life because they continue to want to steer their own ship. And isn't it amazing? When we start steering our own ship, we get out there in the rough waters, and then we do like Peter did when he began to sink. We start then and we call upon Jesus. Only then, in the time of crisis, do we call upon Him. Rather than letting Him take control, as Carrie Underwood said a few years ago in a song, 
Jesus take the wheel? He needs to take the wheel of our life. We need to understand clearly that the Bible is clear for us that Jesus Christ lives in... I want to tell you something. Off the cuff. If you really understand this verse and we really clearly let this verse become reality, you'll live differently, you'll act differently, you'll pray differently than you ever had before. The problem is, sometimes we want to take and remove that verse out of our vocabulary like some other verses. And then we get ourselves in a, in a pickle, so to speak, as I say it. And we get in a situation. And then we get out of desperation. We come back to God. And we begin to apply the Scriptures. Aren't you the happiest when you apply the Word of God in your life? Huh? You ever frustrated? I've gone to, I'm telling you, I don't mind admitting to you. I've gone through a lot of frustrations in my life. Because I don't, I don't think God sometimes works on my time frame. And I want Him to work quicker in my life than what He does. And sometimes He takes me on the backside of the desert out in the 40 years of wilderness to teach me something. And sometimes I'm kind of like the old, the old farmer who's out on the, on the farm and he had the old mule that got... You know how mules are. They get a little stubborn. Well, make application. Sometimes we're that way too. Sometimes God has to bring us to a place where he has to hit us a few times right between the eyes in order for us to see it makes sense. And so we need to understand clearly that God is in us. And he lives in us. What a privilege, isn't that not? He lived in houses made with hands. Now he lives in bodies. He comes to dwell within you and to live within you and, and walk alongside you, the Bible clearly says and talks about. Christ in you, Colossians says in chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, this is just a foretaste of what's coming. And God is living, desires to live in you. I also, I want to mention a couple, three things in here. That word I said, well, to go among us, if you look at it in the standpoint of breaking it down, it means mingled with or in the midst of the number of. If you look at the word with, you take it down and bring it down, it means beside, against, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. And if you look at the word in, it means within or during or by or through. But just mean in, it means through. Then lastly, I want you to see something else here. Look at Romans chapter 8. You know where I'm probably going to go on this. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What things are we talking about? Go back up, start at verse 26, and follow it down, and you'll understand what he's saying. He refers. Everything, keep everything in context. The preceding verses, the after verses come in that play. What then shall we say to these things? If... Now, that's not a phrase saying a doubt thing that Paul is saying here. But what Paul is saying is, think about this just for a moment. If God be for us, who is against us? Who shall be against us? 
He did he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Verse thirty three. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, yes, rather, who was raised, and who is at the right hand of God, also interceding for us. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall... I don't like to put the shall in there because it makes bigger, bigger meaning for me. Or persecution, shall famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. But the Bible says, just as it's written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's a very long list. I don't think you probably could add anything to that list, do you? And when you think about it, okay, look at it from the standpoint. He says... What then shall I say to these things? If God be for us. I told someone the other day I, in, in the, when I was preaching the meeting in uh, Monette, and I said to the congregation, understand something. That when you signed, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you became a part of the majority, not a minority. Even though that's the way people look at it in our society, don't we? We look at it as being a minority, but not everybody's a Christian, so you've got to be the minority. No, with God, you are a majority. You and Him make a majority in this situation. And also, you understand this, also, there's nothing, there's no one that can separate you. No one, that nothing can take it away what you have in Jesus Christ. So, when you think about God being with us, when you think about God being among us, when you think about God living in you and us, and now let me think about God is for you. When the devil comes and whispers to you and says, oh, you just want to give up. Nobody cares. Think about two things. Think about Jeremiah. I'd read this. I'd, I had never read this before. Jeff, you may have. But do you know that Jeremiah preached over 50 years without a single convert. Now think about this. What if all the efforts that you've been putting out in the community with people over the years praying fervently for their salvation and talking to them every opportunity you have about Jesus and you never, at the end of your life, never saw them come to a saving knowledge of Christ? Discouraged? I mean, not on top of that, but also persecution. The man is out there, got a message from God, preaching it with a fire that's burning deep inside of him, and nobody's paying attention. Much like the same way with Noah, wasn't it? I mean, you think about yourself, and you were in a place like Noah was, 
And Noah said to the people, this, I'm, what are you doing? I'm building an ark because this, there's going to be a great flood. Just like that comedian said, yeah, sure, right. It had never rained before. Okay? They'd never seen it, especially a flood. They thought the man was completely out of his head. They probably think you are sometimes. Amen? But when you know that God is for you, it makes all the difference. Someone said to me not long ago, I heard a guy say, long, long time ago, right before I first got saved, they said, boy, told the guy, said, boy, you're really a nut. And he said, thank you, at least I'm hooked on the right bolt. You know? So God is for you. Which means that it's, He comes in place of what you could not do and cannot do. He provides, once again, in person, in presence, and in promise for your life. Paul gave a long list. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of any list that I've ever experienced like that list before. How did you know that? Because he experienced it firsthand. And he was bound and determined that God was for him. And if God was for him, who then shall be against us? The psalmist David, if I remember, said something like that also, did he not? When he talked about the Lord is my light and my salvation, and he talked about that God was always for him. It's amazing how David's life, you read about the pages and you hear about him talking about his enemies encamped around him, gaping their mouths open to devour him. And all of a sudden, the next verse, it just switches. It's like somebody switches a page. And then you see, and you read uh, the oracles of David, him saying, But God is my avenger. God is my stronghold. God is my mighty fortress. God will take care of me. Somehow, God had triggered within him that course of encouragement like He does you and I. Does He not? He speaks to you clearly every day that when you get to lowest, get ready because God's getting ready to do the best. Because He wants to get control of your life and sometimes He has to humble us down to the point where He has to get and that's what He has to do to get control of us. Humility is not a monastic ritual or religious thing that you're going through. Humility is something that God presses in and, and formates in formation of your, your own very being as He lets the heat come sometimes and He brings you to your senses of who you really are, how you can't live without Jesus. See? Everything depends upon Him. Everything's all about Him. Well, let me give you one more verse then. I'm going to close. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert or leave, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct. Imitate 
their faith. You see, it all comes down to this, guys. It's not like you're the only one that's ever gone through what you're going through. Jesus Christ Himself did. And then as we see the Scripture unfold to us, we see the other saints of God who had faced all kinds of not just verbal assaults, but persecution to the point of even death. And if they made it through with the overcoming one living inside of them, then we can make it through with Him living in us, living among us, walking with us daily. And so here's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with some encouraging remarks from the Scripture to be encouraged in your spirit deep down inside your inner man. Let your inner man breathe in the Scripture today. And then apply. Application. The hand. Palm of the hand. You don't learn anything. You haven't heard anything else I said today. Remember this. Everything you've learned, everything you will learn, everything you'll take in from either Pastor Jeff or anybody else is null and void unless it is applied. Unless application occurs. And that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the hard time is. Is to apply what I just heard and read this morning from the Scripture into my life on a day-by-day basis. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just give you a few moments just to kind of think and ponder and think through these things. Meditate upon the Scripture today. I want you to ask yourself the question, where am I right now in my journey with Jesus? Maybe you need to ask the question, do I have a journey with Jesus? Have I really met Him like you're talking about from the Scripture? Has Jesus Christ really come down and has He really transformed your life? And is He doing it daily? Inventory time is very important. If you're a believer here today, you've got to do what at least I do daily. Look deep inside. Is He in control of my life right now? If God were to say to me, here's what I want you to do, would I argue with Him? Or would I say, Lord, like He did in the garden, nevertheless, not my will, but Yours be done. Is that where I'm at? Am I submissive? And am I hearing Him? And am I responding to Him today? You see, because this Christmas season... This celebration of the birth of Jesus, the Savior to come, will be not as enriching unless you and I begin to apply Scripture to us in our heart and life and let Him really be the King that He wants to be in this season. Remember, even as that song by Michael W. Smith, He is the reason for the season. And nothing short of that is less than what He came to do. So ask yourself, where am I with Jesus? How am I with Jesus? And then ask yourself the third question is this. What kind of message am I bringing to others around me? Do they see hope or no hope? Do they see purpose or no purpose? Do they see peace that passes all understanding in your heart and life? Or do they not see any peace? Are you wringing your hands in worry and frustration? 
You're different. The Bible says you are. The Bible says you're a child of the King. So this season, would you join with me this season in welcoming the Savior not only to to the planet, but also in your heart and life as being the Lord of your life? And will you let Him literally live His sinless, spotless life through you and be just a spokesman